0: Welcome to the Water Channel podcast, a series of conversations on water, food, agriculture and environmental sustainability. We feature stories and insights that reflect our present and are shaping our future. This is Long Wang from MetaMeta, Meta. my pleasure to host our podcast of today. In this episode, we are pleased to welcome a good friend from India, Mr. Supratim Bahatacharei. Supratim is an award-winning photographer, or, in his own words, a visual storyteller over environmental, social, and humanitarian themes. His works depict the bare reality of human life in South Asian countries, the forefront of the battle with global climate change and sea level rise. For a long time, he focused on photography projects about the Sundarbans. This is a unique wetland system, situating in the Bay of Bengal, spanning India and Bangladesh. Featuring the world's largest mangrove forest, the Sundarbans is the World Heritage Site since 1987. This is also homes and sources of income for millions of local citizens. Due to global warming and climate change, the Sundarbans are experiencing severe coastal erosion, flooding and tropical cyclones. Supra Team takes provocative photos to portray the impacts of these grand challenges and how the people of the Sundarbans are dealing with them on a daily basis. He has won many prestigious awards, including the first prize, Pictures of the Year Asia, and the second prize of the UNICEF Photographer of the Year 2020, and many more. Supra Team, it is a great pleasure to have you on our podcast, and thank you very much for taking time and joining us today.
1: Thank you long for inviting
0: me. It's a pleasure. My first question to you is, What kind of story do you tell as a visual storyteller?
1: Yeah, I've been in this from 2009 and from my childhood, I am deeply interested on environmental stories. You know, my metal and alkane they live in Sundarbans, which is why from my childhood, I have a deep connection with them. And frequently I visited there and that is why I've made a deep connection with Sundarbans. Actually, their pain has helped me a lot. People of South 24 Paranas and uh, North 24 Paranas—they are most affected people due to cyclones. So that is why I realized that I have to show their pain to the world. What we have been doing, because in, people do come; they don't see that kind of catastrophic environmental catastrophic scenarios and as an environmental photographer it's my duty to bring those issues and present them in front of the global audience so that we can understand who we are and what we are doing with our environment. What I have seen that their lifestyle is completely different you know from ourselves because they live in the islands and they those islands are completely isolated you know and the islands are only connected with the boats and the boat starts from the 4 am in the morning and it ended up on the 5 o'clock. That means at the night if you face any kinds of consequences it is absolutely impossible to, to cross the river or to go to the hospitals or to go to any essential part you know. So from my childhood I was extremely extremely interested about those people's lifestyle. From 2009 I have been working in Sundarbans seriously. I have covered severe consequences over there. That means super cyclone Isla to Right now we have been going through super cyclone Yas. And I have covered all the stuffs and what I have seen over there is unimaginable. The cyclones are changing Sundarbans severely. You can't imagine. And this, the, the landscape of the, the total geography after after a cyclone the total if you see the satellite map the total geography has been changed by the power of the cyclones. Last two, two to three years I have covered almost five severe cyclones over there and earlier there were not so much cyclones you know I have been coming in 2009 but I did never see that kind of stuff. I think the time has come now, and we have to think about our climate and the people over there. They have been suffering for the human's fault, you know, because we are burning fossil fuels, and that is why they are the coastal villages are flooded each and every year. They are so poor; they have nothing to go, and it's. Uh, Hell over there.
0: Yeah. And so on, on those islands, I can imagine that you know you know during storms or, or storm surge events, uh, it's impossible to make a connection. So how do people connect with the Ab- people inland?
1: Absolutely on that on that time, absolutely. When the storm storm alerts does come, um, then absolutely the do- the total boat service has been stopped by the government. And they were on that time, they are completely isolated from the under part of the land you know because if the boat service move on the time if any storm surge does come on that time then the, there will be a se- serious issue maybe happened you know lots of people can be died on the time so that is why the government right now they have started to stop the boat during the cyclonic times. And on that time, they are completely isolated. And what happened that they are completely accustomed to that scenario.
0: And what about the utilities, water, electricity, internet connections? I can imagine that lives are very different there. Can you describe a little bit to our
1: audience? Right now, the internet connection, the mobile connection has been started, but it's very poor, you know, it's very, very poor. But the electricity, when I started photography over there, the total island, the, the, all the islands were completely isolated from the electricity and right now only three four years back the those islands are covered by the electricity. You can say the lifestyle has been an increased a bit but the main scenario is that the sea water, the storm surges, they, it has not been changed at all. What I've seen that I took some images from 2009 and when I compared those images to 2021. This electricity does come but electricity could not change. It, it couldn't save your life. Because the, in 2009 all of the house I have seen has been submerged by seawater and right now in 2021 due to super cyclonias, yes, all of the villages has been totally wet, swept away by the tidal plants. That's why the scenario has been changed.
0: Yeah. Thanks for sharing. I mean, I mean, these are very, um, in a way, very complicated uh, challenges. And, and and how how do you capture these stories in in your photos? And and why did you choose photos as the medium of your storytelling?
1: From my childhood, I have been over there, and I know how much struggle they do for surviving their life. So that kind you have to understand how their lifestyle moves, and I'm from. I am just from 35 kilometers away from their hometown. So my lifestyle is the same almost because they, they live in the islands and I am in the mainland, but we, we speak in the same native languages. It's a mental connection, you know. That is why I feel that that kind of scenario, it actually what happened that it just painted in my heart. That is why I make a prediction that there. Will be some severe consequences, and I moved there and got some so- shots. So it's a connection, it's all about the connection. And you know, if you see a, only a photographer's perspective, it's not absolutely not possible. You have to you have to feel them, you have to feel their lifestyle. Then you will take the shot that what the consequence, what the severe consequence they're facing right now, they are undergoing right now. does really matter how long you have been over there how much experiences you have on this field you have a passion of course otherwise you could not feel you have to feel them you have to feel their pain when you feel their pain then photography is the one and only medium when you see a visual elements it it hits you hard you know
0: Thank you. I think that's a very beautiful thought and and I'm just curious, Super Ateem, Um How did you get your first camera and, and what brought you to fo- photography? Were you born being a photographer?
1: No, not never, because I'm from an extremely middle class family, you know. So from being from an extremely middle class family and to be a photographer, it's very, very tough and I have a passion over photography from my childhood but my maternal uncle those who lives in Sundarbans, he gifted me a Kodak camera and it has been kept in my cupboard you know I put in a desiccator and I kept in my cupboard and after that I started clicking with this camera in Sundarbans. but you know in the old days we have films and I didn't have so much of, you know, in photography you need lots of stuffs, lots of lots of stuffs, you know, and that is why I didn't have anything on the How to store negatives and how to develop on the time, I didn't know, I didn't have so much of idea. That is why all the pictures I took has been vanished from my side. And when I realized that it's an important part of our journey, so that is why on that time I started to keep in my after shifting digital I started to started keeping those photos in my hard disk but you know I really missed those days if I got some pictures on 2000s 2000, 2000 not 2000 1997 1990 I took some pictures on that time but that would be a phenomenal scenario right now we can compare those images and right now i have been clicking i can make a easy, easy comparison and the rest of the world you easily understand that yes in 1997 Sundarban was like this and 2021 but i have from 2009 i have i have been keeping those images and i have some serious comparison based images and if you see, if I send to you, you will be shocked within four, five years, within six to seven years, how much the landscape is being drastically changed.
0: I would love to see those photos. And of course, I would. I, I, would, I, I wish one day I would, you know, see your uh, photo. It's a pity that your analog photos are gone now. But uh, let us park it there and uh, talk about one of the most prominent project, the Sinking Sunabans Photography Series. You took photos of the communities living at the coast and show how their farming land, schools and their very homes are taken away by the rising sea. Um, In in that series, I see a picture of a girl looking straight at me and it looks like she's telling me a message. I I, I guess you you, you get what what photo I'm talking about. In the background, uh, the sea was very angry with strong storm and winds and I see a sinking house at the far end. And this picture really showed me, you know, how real coastal erosion is, how real climate change is and how real sea level rise is for for the people that are living there in Sundarban. So could you please tell me more about this series and about this photo in particular?
1: Actually, you know, the building you are seeing over there is being thrashed by sea waves. It was made on the British period and they made on that building on that time and his name was Sir Andrew Fraser. By his name, the name has been reformed, the region has been named Fraser Ganj. And look at this building right now, when they built build those buildings, the scenario was completely different, and when the building was made, it was a full, full of good land. It's a, it was a cultivated land, you know. And after 100 years, look at look at this image and the sea, the building was almost covered by the sea webs. It was full of greenery and drought right now what you are seeing is being thrashed by sea webs and I took this picture on a cyclonic day, you know, the weather was totally full of cloudy and drizzly. And what happened on that day? before When I took this picture, before that night, and the girl, her name is Pallavi, and her family had a tea shop along with his home. But before, when I took this picture, before that night, the entire house was completely swept away by tidal floods on that day. When I took this picture before that night the tidal waves had has completely swept away her houses and she was you know she was completely devastated you can see her you can see her face how strong it was and that kind of stuff really forced me to click her shots and you know you know you know they build their again over there but in this year actually it was taken in 2020 in August 2020 and in that their houses swept out again they built their houses and I was searching for her home and finally I got her and she has been living only one kilometer from her actual home and she was afraid of it that their new house could be submerged one day you know the fact that
0: people don't give up they they keep on building houses a little bit further away from the coast Um, that says a lot about how strong is the connection to the place Um, why do you think people do not give up do not move to another place but they keep on building just close to that area a new home
1: actually what matters that they are extremely poor you know they are extremely, extremely poor, they are completely under-equipped. They are a big family and they are poor. And they have they don't have any kind of places. You know, it's a densely sundarban is one of the densely populated region in India. So, which is where they will actually move. If they move anywhere, they have to buy their, their land, but they don't have that kind of money. So, which is why they are being forced to stay on that on that place so that they can earn something.
0: Coming back to this Sinking uh, Sooner Bands, uh, series, um, I know that it's a very long-term project. It started from 2009, it is already now about 12, 12 years. That's a long time. What drives you to follow such a long-term project?
1: I love long-term projects, you know, because it depicts the total scenario and it depicts the entire system of our society or our country or our planet yeah
0: and if you follow the place for a long time um, what kind of change did you see and uh, what did you learn from this long journey
1: what i've seen over there i've already mentioned that they need good embankments for their survival if you move to sundarbans if you ask people, they'll reply that we need we don't need foods, we don't need any kind of shelter, we need only good embankments. So that is why my journey will be keep going over there. That until and unless it will be solved.
0: I think that's a beautiful goal. So you would follow this project until the problem is solved for the people and place. I
1: have a deep connection with them, and I'm one of them. So that is why it's my duty. Someone has to come out to show their problems to the world. Who so it's a, as a humanitarian photographer, it's a shake of humanity, you know. It's a completely a people can say say environmental project, but it's completely a Humanitarian issue. If there will be no people, then Sundarbans, the Sinking Sundarbans project, will never get such kind of values.
0: We do need people with, with you know, a strong determination and, 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 uh, and consistency like you working on Sundarban. Do you think there is a possibility that people will eventually give up and move on and abandon the Sundarban and move to somewhere else?
1: No, I don't think so, because as I already said, they are too poor. They got their land and right now if they move on a different part of West Bengal or India, they have to buy their own land. From where they will get such kind of money because it's a, you know, India is a highly populated country and that is why the house prices and the prices of the lands are getting higher day by day from their childhood. They have been connected with water, and they are very much flexible by using their boats in the sea or in the rivers. They are they are making money by fishing or by uh, that means by cultivating. And if they move a urban region, then what will be their earning source? I think they won't.
0: Thank you, thank Absolutely. you, super so Let us move to the the other project of you uh, that I really like also. That is the Curse of Gold. That's also a very thought triggering project. Yeah. Um. What is the key message that you want to share through the photos of uh, you know one of the largest uh, coal mining area in India?
1: Yeah. Actually, as I said, I have a deep connection with Sundarbans bombs, and I've, I've been capturing. Nowadays and I have a on the time I have a plan that what is the cause of those rising seas then I researched then I got this idea that the people, are, people of Sundarbans are being suffered the one and only cause is the fossil fuel. That is why from 2013 I think or 2014 I went to Jharia coal mine and from 2014 I have been continuing working on the stories and that story got the second prize in the UNICEF photo of the year and it's an honor honestly and the situation over there it's it's like Sundarbans, you know, it's the situation is completely devastated, which I can't explain in words. We are using heavy machines to extract coals and the uh, fires are being coming out from the land and the, in particular in the monsoon season the total total environment is being covered by the toxic smokes. The region is totally filled by the toxic gases on those children. And particularly my focus is on children. You know why? Because they are our next generation. Yeah. And
0: and these looks like um, analog photos. Uh, are they analog or are they digital? All are digital. Okay. They look beautiful. All, the,
1: all the images are digital.
0: Yeah you talk about children but also you have a lot of photos of women is this intentional and what's your what's your message here
1: yes because i took those photos in the rural part of india you know in in the rural part of india men go to the outside for work in the morning early morning they move a different place for work but for a woman They do their all kind of work by staying their home. They cook food, they collect food, they collect woods for uh, cooking food. So sometimes they go to the fishing in the river in Sundarbans to catch fish or streams. Even they work in the cultivation field. You know, so that is why. Women are very, very important part in the rural place, you know. They play a key role. They play play a crucial role to stable their family. Which is why from my early days, I have a passion to show themselves. How they are facing, how they are moving, how they are going through with that kind of Disaster.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. That's that's also a very beautiful uh, motivation. Um, now I would like to know a bit more about how people receive your work, and I would start first with the local audience. So the people who you took the photos, how did they react to your works?
1: Actually, they couldn't justify with the real world and their environment, and because they know. They are busy by earning money or living their life, you know. They are very, because they are very poor and they have a big family. They don't have any second thoughts in their life. Only one thing they know that they have to earn something. Only one thing they say, they say that, I've been asked several times that hope our environment will be good, isn't it? It's a hope. I hope that it will be recovered soon. As a photographer, you have to face lots of consequences. It's not an easy job, you know. When you go there, a cyclone has been in this field and in this region, a cyclone in this has been in this region and you are taking pictures, people are moving here then there, their house are being much. It's not an easy job to take pictures on that time. You couldn't ask any single words to them. But you have to feel their pain and you have to build a deep connection with them so that they can they think that you are one of them. Then you can get some good shots. Otherwise, it's absolutely impossible.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, talking about connections, um, do you make friendships with people and can you share some of the nice experience with the connection with the people?
1: Yeah. I have a good connection in Chadia. Wherever I go, at first, I try to build a good connection, good network, because if you don't know their pain, how would you depict with your pictures? You have to feel them, how their life moves. Yeah,
0: and what kind of reactions uh, do you receive on your work from the international audience?
1: Yeah, I got emails from around the globe, and. Some publication houses. It's what would I say? It's a part of your job, but one thing that makes me happy that yeah, I am the voice of the, those voiceless people. So that's touched me very strongly, you know. True. And before I am wrapping up, I would like to
0: ask one short question um, about the people living in the Sundarbans. What kind of hopes and dreams do people share with you uh, uh,
1: about their life? Actually, what they love to live a good life. That means they want to go to the schools. They want to work in the good offices. You know, they love to live a normal life. They want that they need a good embankment to protect their cultivated land so that they can create a farm or they can make a good paddy field. So, their demand is very limited, you know. They live a very normal life, a simple life, you can say. That's their dream, which I can say that now.
0: Well, I agree that uh, those are simple dreams and hopes, uh, and yet they deserve full respect and dedication to be realized. This is a good moment to end our podcast, and I would like to wish you a lot of health and energy to continue your photographic journey, to dedicate your creative works to the people of Sundarbans. Thank you for sharing your story with us, Team.:
1: Thank you, Long, for inviting me. Thank you. It has been a great experience to talk with you.